Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Tarin. Tarin, what child number are you? If we're counting. (laughs) I think I was the first child, but there might have been a couple of, like, half-siblings that I have that my... Mom doesn't like to talk about. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I guess if your mom is still alive, then we can't. You can't be a child at all. <laughs> That's a really yeah. good point. So, guess who's winning the race? You get First to pilot Ava, right Tori. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, to question to be fair, mark. I think you also have to be under the age of eighteen. So. Doesn't your mother have to actually have piloted Ava as well? Maybe? Uh, Not maybe? piloted Ava, but... Been well, involved? maybe. Or your prior clone form has to have died, so... That's yeah. always a possibility. We're getting deep into Ava lore already. <laughs> <laughs> Tarin, thanks for coming on and joining us today. Uh, we're doing rotating guest spot third person as a regular thing at the moment. And Evangelion was kind of a big thing in our um, early second stage friendship. So I felt like it would be a good one to have you talk about. I like how there yeah, are enough. stages of your friendship. Well, it's like we knew <laughs> each other in elementary school and we were on the same soccer team for a while. And I did very briefly join an AD&D game that his dad ran when I was like... I don't know, elementary school or something? Third grade, I think. Third grade? I think. And then we stopped hanging out until middle school. Wow. Yeah. That is stages. Respect. Yeah. And then in middle school, I handed him some, I don't know, burned, low-quality um, Evangelion computer files, maybe? Or did I actually have the DVDs that I lent you there? You had the first two DVDs set, like Wait. a one, th- like four episode sets, I think. DVDs? Were there DVDs when we were in middle school? They were cutting edge. Yeah. Just, yeah, just barely. The VHSs had two episodes each, and the DVDs had four, so you were like, whoa, I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck here. What I was going to say is I could only find Ava on uh, VHS tapes that my friends had at the time. I was very stricken by the those DVD block like uh, covers because they had a Shinji looking badass, and I thought that Shinji was like a, a young lady, and I was like super into strong female protagonists, and um, I don't know, I still super like I think the plug suits generally look super cool still. I thought Shinji was a girl for a long time, too, based on that cover. I think that was actually, like, a common misconception. You mean up until you watched that DVD? Yeah, yeah. Because that wouldn't have taken that long. Well, no, but I mean, like, based on things I'd seen on the internet, and a lot of those was that same cover image. I mean, the one I'm thinking of is the one with Shinji and Asuka. I I think Tarn's thinking of the one where Shinji's looking to the upper right, uh, looking kind of, um, like, serious and protagonist-y. Anyway, no harm, no foul. The gender doesn't really matter. Just in this, saying, in based on, yeah, of course not. Yeah, based on the images, 
I feel like, yeah, I guess maybe it is the plug suit. It feels a little bit like not something that boys would wear in a way. It's very skin tight. But, you know, that's a big part of, of Ava. Um, weirdly enough, despite the sometimes strange sexualization of the female characters, it is a lot about childhood and developing into your body. And what are we reading? Childhood what trauma. are we talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about Evangelion R. And when I, when I described this to you when we were choosing what fanfic we do, Tarin, I called Ava R kind of the Pokemon master of the Ava fandom. And that might be doing it a disservice in some ways, but here's my reasoning. It was kind of Uh a big fanfic that everybody knew with a super cool for the 90s website. I I think that's pretty, pretty similar. Those two, those two attributes you can apply to Pokemon master. And yeah. after that, I don't know if it was fair at all, because I, <laughs> I did go into this thinking it would be pretty bad, and I would say it wasn't pretty bad. No, so. it wasn't. I, I would say that Amato may have misled us by the opening line of, what is your tolerance for pain? Was that what it was? I, I asked if Tarn had a high pain tolerance, yeah, yeah. for reading fan fiction. Well, you well, definitely made me nervous asking that question. Two things. I I had never read Ava R either, so when I was looking into it, I saw some people complaining about it, and I was like, eh, this might not be very good after all. It might just be well-known. And the other thing is, I do think this fanfic benefited from us going in with very low expectations, because we were pleasantly surprised. That's yeah. how I live my life, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I watch a good movie and someone else asks me how it is, I tell them it's worse than I think it is, so that they'll have a better time. I don't know if that's, like, manipulative or something, but, yeah. No, that's, uh, it's just the way you are. You like to help people have better lives. <laughs> now, is Ava R a reference to Sailor Moon in any way? Because I, I know, know that's the only, that's the only other that. series I know with an yeah. R. Um, I, I don't know. The, okay. I don't know anything about it. And I mean, the the title of Ave, of Sailor Moon R is also kind of like totally arbitrary, and there's like three different words that it might mean, and so maybe it is. Maybe it's just like that's a thing that you could add on to continue the series or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I mean, R does sound like a kind of cool letter, yeah. like especially Evangelion, you know, Ava R. I mean, if you said, like, Ava X or Ava Z, it might sound a little too, like, uh, Gen X E, but it's like, R, what does that mean? It means Avar. But it's much better than, for example, Ava W. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't want to pick, like, P, W. Ava P. Ava P. <laughs> Not a good one, right? The pen pen continuation. <laughs> Ava N. Evan. Evan. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, what well, I will say, though, is that you do have to have a high tolerance for ellipses in this yeah. fanfic. 
that's one of the things that people pointed out when I was doing my research is like, uh, yeah, and also overuse of ellipses is a thing. But like, not just overuse, but like overuse. Anyway. Let's talk about the website, though, because, and, and kind of associated media, I would say, because it, it's an important part of the experience, I would say. You go to the AvaR website, and it's top-of-the-line 90s website design, which is to say it has frames um, and, yeah. like, a bar for navigating. Uh-huh. And then you do a little poking yeah. around, and you see the multimedia. There's Some of it's put in the story itself. There's fan art and fan music, like, you know, background music sometimes inserted into the story itself. Some of it is on little sub-pages, like... There's some random pages of doujinshi, which is just like people illustrating scenes from various chapters. And there's a fan trailer for the movie. Is that what it is? Yeah, the theatrical trailers. There's two of them. And this is like one of the few things I knew about this fanfic going into it is that they got two of the original English voice actors to Uh do voice work for the fan trailers for the theatrical movie like, finale of this fanfic. That really surprises me. Like, I found that out, too, and I was like, what? That's a, that's a pretty big... That, that's a big deal for this community, I think. It's a yeah, huge I mean, deal. It's all kind of impressive. Um, I think, th- think specifically they got Asuka and Gendo's voice actors. Yeah. Tiffany Grant and I don't remember. Sorry, Gendo's voice actor. Do you remember this as a kid, Amato? Like, was this contemporary with your experience with Ava? I, you know what? I'm glancing at the multimedia section, and I see a fan art wallpaper of the new character, Aoi. And that image looks real familiar, I've got to (laughs) say. But I don't think I read this. Hmm. I don't think I... I don't remember experiencing any of this, but I might have found the website and just decided not to go into this rabbit hole. Maybe I was intimidated. I don't know. But I don't really have any background. In my heyday of Evangelion fandom, I remember being somewhat desperate to find um, some sort of continuation of the series or like side plots. And I know there was there were a couple... I guess light novels or video games or or whatnot that I never played. I don't, I don't know how I would have. Well, no one played those light novels back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but yeah, I'm sure there was a a heavy thirst for fan work such as this. You call it a continuation. I think that's a good way to jump into the content of this fanfic. Though before that, I think we still need to do the presentation of the fanfic. So look, you hit read the story on the website, and it launches a viewer for the fanfic. Like, you have, it opens it up in another, you know, window. And there's this, like, yeah, this classy... Is, a- okay. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, this is back when adding as many effects to your website as possible was really cool. And going back to the mind frame I had at the time, this is really cool. But in the contemporary era, it is a little bit clunky. So yeah, go on, tell us what it looks like, Amano. Well, you get this like abstract list of volumes, kind of like in, in it's it's divided into track one, which is like kind of volumes one through twelve, and then divides into two tracks because there's apparently two endings 
but they're not just like one chapter endings, they're like different continuity track endings. We haven't read that far in the fanfic yet, so we don't need to worry about that. But we were talking about the old Ava VHSs. You click on one of these volumes, and it gives you two episodes together, and a fan, Mm -hmm. like, a illustration for those two chapters to look like one of the Evangelion VHS volumes. And it's really cool, actually. It's just kind of like way more work than one would ever expect to put into the presentation of a fanfic. And the whole website... It definitely is. Yeah, it's like done in this chrome color. And each icon you click on for each individual set of two chapters kind of looks like how you would play a track in like a digital media listening device like or listening program. You know, like if you were recording tracks, it looks like a track slider or, you know, something you would click on to listen to audio media. It's hard to describe, but the website does look cool. I will give you that. The downside is it was not designed for, you know, reading on your phone. And I had a little bit of trouble getting, you know, when I wanted to read a chapter, getting my phone to just show the actual text and, you know, in a, in a window big enough to actually read. I managed to get it working, but it was kind of a pain. My phone gave me an option each time to show simplified view. And that yeah, was I didn't the only notice that for a long time. It. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up downloading the fic with their handy dandy download the fic option, which In gave a me a zip, a zip file, um, which was also sort of annoying to use because it, it was every chapter and then I would have to reopen the new HTML because they're all in HTML instead of like text files or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, so I didn't actually get to see most of the art or the audio tracks because I was kind of out and about, and for various reasons, I just had trouble using the internet. Um, but yeah. Now, we call that, a, you call it a continuation again, Tarin, and it's not a sequel, it's a continuation. The first chapter of this fanfic is episode 27, and you're supposed to take it just as a continuation of the TV series. Well, except. Yeah, so they clearly state that it diverges before episode 25, right? Right. 25 and 26, for all intents and purposes, just have no role in this continuity at all. Like, they didn't happen, basically. Which, you know, they wanted to keep going without instrumentality having happened. And that's fine, you know, as long as they do it in a reasonable way, I get it. You know, doing stuff post-instrumentality means reinventing the universe, which has been done, but it was done after this was created. So they wanted to just avoid that whole issue altogether. That's fine. But why call it episode 27 if you're actually doing episode 25, just a different continuity? So I know y'all have done, I think, two other podcasts on Evangelion. Um, yeah, we did one other fanfic, and then uh, Dom and Galen and I did Redeath, which was weird. <laughs> so, my reactions to this fanfic kind of hinge a lot, because it's a continuation, because it's not trying to stray from the source material very much, do do kind of hinge on 
like the series up until episode 25. All right, here's my take going into this fanfic is that when you it's a continuation of the TV series and when you watch the TV series it's throwing a lot of stuff at you. Technical jargon, mystical mumbo-jumbo, things that are theoretically plot-related, but you're not sure how plot-related they are, and you all just kind of let it wash over you, right? Mm-hmm. And so what you really take away is kind of the tone, I feel like, and, and atmosphere of Evangelion. And you can kind of track that tone, right? Like, it starts off with, like, relatively heavy dread, and then it kind of lightens up, and then it goes way deeper into, like, dread and depressingness and you know, yeah. kind of, like, heaviness. Until by the time you are done with episode, like, 24, like, it's pretty fucking heavy. Like, for every character, for, like, right. you, the viewer, for everybody. And, and like, in the normal in the normal TV series, 25 and 26 are kind of an attempt to address that heaviness and bring it to some kind of thematic resolution that ends up being kind of a positive note, right? Yeah. But here's actually oh, sorry, sorry, go on. No, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it ends with everybody clapping in a circle and saying congratulations. Like, yeah, a positive but like that's note. instrumentality, like, which is like you could construe it as positive, but you could also construe it as negative because it's a loss of identity. Anyway, no, but I'm not even talking about like the plot elements of instrumentality, just like the tone that the series is throwing mm. at you, right? So you go into saying. this fan. So you go like, into this fanfic, and in order to continue the series. What it does is it pulls the tone way back. It kind of like takes sort of a more average tone, like it kind of took the whole TV series and averaged out the like the heaviness. And so it's like way lighter than the than you know the story was up through episode 25. In episode 27 in this fanfic, we're starting off with kind of like, oh, you know, a new Asuka's in a coma, but she kind of gets out of it and she gets better and she's more like back to normal Asuka self, you know. Shinji's kind of traumatized by killing Kaoru, but he's not that traumatized by killing Kaoru. Like, you know, he, he has some stuff to deal with, but he's not, like, right. you know, in a deep depression. And we have a new character coming in. Like, we have a new pilot introduced. And Nerve is kind of, like, continuing on as normal. And, like, it took... It was some total whiplash for me starting to read this fanfic right. and, like, seeing that. And just being like, wait, wait, wait. So, like, everything's just kind of basically okay? I mean, you know, not... It's not okay, okay, because it's Evangelion. But like, All right. it's it's relatively okay. What were your two's experiences kind of going into the fanfic like that? Yeah, so I totally agree with you. And at first, it didn't seem like it would be quite as much of a whiplash because it's like the the first chapter twenty seven. It 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 does seem kind of dark. Like everyone seems fairly depressed. Masato's not really wanting to talk to um, Ritsuko. Uh, and then, like by like three three or four chapters later, they're sort of over it. It's like they've kind of reestablished a, a normal, even though they, they suspect or like the management seems to indicate that or indicate a belief that the angels are are finished. And so they're just sort of hanging out, like in in this sort of limbo period. Though, admittedly, um, in the Ava series, there are stretches of episodes where very little i would say very little happens so in that case it is sort of similar but it also felt like in the tv series like by episode 24 you're you're sort of just ready for things to end right and this this fic sort of like stretches it out way longer 
like right until the point where I think all of us stopped reading. Right. And right. I I just so, I, I was pretty exhausted myself, but yeah. It's interesting. I mean, y'all use the term whiplash. That's completely reasonable because the series was building towards this extreme emotional endpoint. And of course, you know, they ran out of budget to like do the end, right? Right. But it still was exactly what they intended it to be. It was still instrumentality, just done in lighter, you know, like less graphic ways. The point being is that like the series had been building everyone's emotional tension to a breaking point. So to back it back down and keep it going along a flat plane was kind of difficult to do, and which is why I didn't buy into the fanfic initially. But as it kept going and developing the characters fairly well, my buy-in increased. Let's talk about the characters then. There's kind of the one main plot thread early on, or, you know, like the, the central kind of thing that you as a reader are interested in following is that there's um, there's a new character, like I said. We have a sixth child come in <laughs> because the last two children didn't work out so well. Now, the sixth child seems to be sort of Shinji 2.0. He's kind right? of like Shinji except yeah. less interesting for a lot of this, unfortunately. And part of it is that, so he's English, that's cool. I mean, he's half English, half French. His name's Lin. Um, and Lin Anui, by the way, I had to look up how to say his name. And he comes in with like a ward who's taking care of him, who's Japanese, who's teaching him Japanese and, or who has been teaching him Japanese. So he can talk to the characters and stuff. And he's kind of a, he would be a viewpoint character if we needed a viewpoint character, which we don't because we've all seen Evangelion. He's kind <laughs> of new to it. And he's like, oh yeah, like what's the situation here? What's going on? Who's this person? Who's that person? And they try to establish a few relationships with him, some of which I think work better than others. Yeah. Anyone want to talk about any of those relationships specifically? I feel like the most obvious, like, relationship is him between him and Asuka. Yeah. And it's him annoying Asuka once and then her sort of violently disliking him until he dislikes her back and then them sort of dancing around how much they dislike each other for the next 10 or 15 episodes and Uh, it being very loud because Asuka always needs someone to sort of be angry with, right? right. It's crazy though. Right, because it like deflects her anger from Shinji onto this new character but this new character actually fights back at least a little bit. Like, not to the extent that Asuka does anything, right? But a little bit. So he, like, but- seems to hold his own, but then Shinji is suddenly not the object of Asuka's ridicule, like, so much as he was. Right, but they already had that character in Toji, and Toji, in the series, he is, like, tragically, like, maimed, right, by Shinji, sort of or by a dummy plug system. Yeah. Um, but in this, he's sort of got, gets his prosthetics fairly quickly. He's back in the group. Back in and school. School's back in session, even. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and like, he, Toji has prosthetic limbs, but other than that, like, he's, he's fine. He's like, it's not your fault, Shinji. And, like, 
it, it's kind of just to be able to get those dynamics going again, it feels like, you know? It, it does, and his interactions with Asuka are still pretty contentious, and then this new character, Lin, comes in, and it's sort of like Lin's a cross between Shinji and Toji in reaction to Asuka, and it just it feels duplicative to me. But um, there are other relationships, too, I suppose. Yeah, it, it does feel duplicitous. It feels like, like you were saying, they wanted to soften Asuka towards Shinji, but they weren't sure what else to do with Asuka besides have her shout at someone. So it's like, well, she can shout at Lin. They can shout at each other. Yeah. And and then you also have him kind of taking the role of Shinji with Rei 2 with Rei 3. Like, Lin is to Rei 3 in this fanfic what Shinji was to Rei 2 in the series. Yeah. Um. It also feels weirdly circular. It's like, um, you know, in the series, like, Ray 3 kind of, like, crushes Gendo's glasses, right? Like, she, you know, they were important to Ray previously, but they're not important to this incarnation of Ray, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, she probably has disdain for, for Gendo based on, you know, actions in End of Eva or whatever. But, like, in this fanfic, she, like, re- seems to redevelop sentimentality towards them. And I guess part of that is that she's kind of, like, has echoes of the experiences of her former selves. And, like, I get that. But it also feels like it's kind of pulling back from from that ray and just kind of going back over the same right. ray ground. So, um, this is probably just my poor memory. But I'm confused. So when does the second ray die and ray three take over? Uh, she self-destructs fighting, you know, an angel in the latter part of the series. Right. To destroy yeah. the angel. And that's before... The point at which this series diverges, right? Well, no- nothing happens after the se- point at which this series diverges. Well, no, but oh yeah, because twenty five and twenty six are all instrumentality. Okay, right? Yeah, all right, we got it. But yeah, so not so like we, but Ray three emerges like right before instrumentality, right? That's shortly. That was yeah. So we don't get a lot of her character until. We don't this series as it tries to portray her. Which to me reads more like they're portraying the you know, the Ray Two, the Ray we knew through most of the, the series, right? I agree. And Lynn generally seems a little standoffish, but less so than Shinji was, I think. Um and s- sort of depressed maybe generally. Um but also again I'm like we don't know of of the reasons why we aren't given much information as to why, like what his background is or why he might be not have had a particularly happy childhood. I think. Yeah. You get hints early on that like, he's got something in his past that makes him traumatized enough to be an Ava pilot, but you don't see any of that until much later. Yeah. He has very similar issues with like starting up his Ava. I think it goes berserk just like Shinji's does. Like, fairly but early on. That's a good lead-in, because uh, up until now I've been complaining it's like the things they do with Lin are, you know, pointless because it's already been done. But his presence does actually create things I really liked with him and Shinji. Because for one hmm. thing, it makes Shinji the hardened, grizzled veteran. And, like, sure. the two the two of them, you know, get to have some conversations because, like, they share the Ava locker room and stuff, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the fanfic you know, makes a point of mentioning that, like, the last two children, uh, Shinji had to maim or kill when they got in their Evas, or, you know, started using their Evas. And so, 
like Shinji uh, to some extent is like he's really trying not to get close to this guy. Like he is not really engaging to like the overtures of friendship. And it seems not entirely deliberate or like conscious, but just because like he's not going to do that anymore. And they have the scene early on when, like, during his test activation, when, when the Eva does go berserk, they have Shinji in Unit 1 on standby to be like, just in case, just in case. And, you know, Misato has to, like, calm him down just to get him to do this because he knows where this is going. And, you know, when something goes wrong, he's like, you know, he's he pulls out his rifle and is, like, ready to, like, kill this guy again already and is kind of traumatized just by the, the idea that he's so acclimated to this action to begin with. And so... I mean, I just kind of liked putting Shinji in, you know, these, like, recalling these experiences that have happened to Shinji and kind of allowing his character to go some places with that in the fanfic. Yeah, and his, like, sudden, like, alarmist, like, he has to attack Lin because Lin's, he's worried about Lin being a threat, does seem like a fairly clear symptom of the PTSD that he's been experiencing all all series, right? Um, yeah. And and that, I feel like that characterization of him is, is strong early on, but I do think they lose it a little bit. But I agree I, that, that that is nice. I think you're right. I think that really dies off later on. And they, they seem to have an idea of who these pilots are. And also they had to introduce their own new character, but they had to kind of bounce back and forth between which character they wanted to focus on the most. And I feel like Shinji does kind of get lost a little in the background. Like his trauma is very at the forefront towards the beginning of the fanfic from killing Kaoru, you know, and, and all of this shit that's happened and his responsibility he feels for Rei and all of that. And then it kind of fades out for a while. And we get kind of this focus, like, a little bit on Lin. We kind of get pieces of Lin's background, like his relationship with his mother. And at first, it seems like his guardian, Sioko, is, like, kind of awful to him. And hmm. didn't y'all get I, that? Like, she was kind of just, I mean, like... they didn't... They didn't... They weren't close emotionally. Yeah, they didn't all... They didn't always get along too well. And she also pulls out pretty quickly when things start getting serious. She's just like, I can't handle the responsibility of being your caretaker. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to go with it. She disappears from the series at that point. And that's not that far in. Right. And I read one of the trigger warnings for this fanfic when I was looking up online as like abusive, like, you know, abusive children. And like the way she was talking to Lynn at first was like, oh, well, you probably don't even know how to make an international phone call, do you? Like, you need to get your test scores up higher. You're never going to be good at kanji. You know, like, she had a lot of passive-aggressive, like, snide remarks to him. So I kind of thought that's what they were referring to, and their, like, relationship was going to be more of a source of his trauma. But, yeah, actually, what ends up is that his guardian there ends up piecing out, so. Which is also kind of extremely distressing. Uh Yeah, I I felt like... Felt like it was a setup for like him being sort of planted by her and by their organization as some sort of like time bomb, right? And I don't know. I I don't feel like I felt like their relationship was so so bad. I just I felt like her character was almost kind of wasted. Like like she was only in there for like a couple chapters, and I I don't really care about her existence and like I've, 
I kind of forgot she even existed in the in the fic. Right. It's also kind of she she did the author's treatment of her did point something out to me though because the author refers to her as a girl at one point. He also refers to Misato as a girl. And I've never really yeah. thought of them as girls, but like when I think of their ages and what their responsibilities are, it is kind of like a, this fairly stark contrast for me. It's like, oh, Misato's in her mid-twenties. That's weird since she's commanding like yeah. the only important military organization on the planet. But it... And it, it Sorry, go on. It did strike me, so I, I don't know. Go go on. No, I was just gonna say that that it that hit me too. And when I realized, you know, the first time I realized Masato was only supposed to be twenty six and a major, and like in so much power, I was like, oh, I was kind of annoyed by it. You know, I was like, oh, that's just this like, you know this whole thing that happens in anime where like very young people are given responsibilities way beyond their age. And, and I don't like that a lot because I feel like it creates extra expectations for people to like achieve a lot at a young age. But when this author like, yeah, referred to them as girls, it made me like re reflect and go like, nah, shit, those are not girls. Like you have, Misato is a very, like, she's got a lot going on, okay, she's not always responsible, like, the drinking and all that, but, like, she has a lot of real-life responsibility, so, like, to not refer to her with a, with respect felt wrong to me, you know? That's fair, yeah. Uh, speaking of Misato, she doesn't have a whole lot to do in this fanfic in general, despite being always around. They strike the same notes with Misato over and over, which is her talking to Ritsuko and being like, I don't trust you, and Ritsuko being like, yeah, I know. And Misato <laughs> yeah. being like, why must we force these children to fight? Why can they not be, uh, be you know, children and have child experiences? Also, Shinji getting the dummy plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, like, she's I like, mean, that's pretty uh, much Misato's job in this fanfic. She says, oh, really? We're going to use Rei as a tool again? It's like one time is trying to be incisive yeah. towards Ritsuko. It's like they're being used as tools constantly for the entire, if it, for every incarnation yeah. of this story. So, like, I don't know. But who are you fooling? I think that resonates with the source. Like, Misato is always like, oh man, I should protect these pilots. But then she's like, oh no, actually, I can't. Like, yeah. that's pretty much the source, right? I, yeah. I'd say it's it's reasonably faithful. Like, yeah, she's she's mixed and she's I'm not mixed. She's divided, you know. But but it also just means she kind of doesn't have much agency in this fanfic. She doesn't do anything important. She doesn't like make a move because she, she almost tries investigating Ritsuko once and kind of Ritsuko's like I'm on to you and she stops. She doesn't really make a stand for the children. She she just kind of continues on continuing on. There is some right, development, okay. though, between, like, her relationship with Ritsuko. Like, they're on really bad footing at the start of this. And, like, right. slowly they kind of rebuild, like, some level of trust, even though that's only just maybe talking in snide remarks versus not talking at all. By the way, I should emphasize, I, because I haven't yet, we did not finish the fanfic. We all read up through chapter 44, and we intend to read the latter part and the two endings. And discuss mm -hmm. those at a future date. 
So right. when I say Misato doesn't really do anything in this fanfic, I mean in like the first half or so of the fanfic that we read. And who knows, maybe she has a very big role to play in the story later on. Yeah, it actually is hard to tell because this fanfic picks up steam, especially towards the end of the part that we read. Yes, it almost feels like Lynn, the Lynn storyline is kind of burying the lead compared to the later chapters that we read, which is, a, is in my opinion, is the Ray storyline, which... Like for a, for a number of episodes, there's just there's a Ray introspection in a way that like I do think is faithful to the source material, which often has characters just kind of hanging out, being kind of melodramatically dismal. Um, yeah, and there's some some series accurate Ray bad poetry. Bad, bad poetry. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. It's hard, the hardest part to read for me, but in any case, like eventually, like. Something really interesting happens with her. Yeah, it does. Is, yeah. Because of reasons, she ends up being in Unit 1 for a bit. And mm-hmm. something happens, and she is essentially possessed by the spirit of Yui, the soul yeah. of Yui. That's like and the this is dis- last part of what we read. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's okay, we, we can jump around. Right. Because it's not like it connects with anything else major. It's kind of its own storyline. Good line. point, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's described in Ava Technobabble terms by Ritsko, where it's like, you know, no, it's just like feedback from the ba da ba da ba da ba 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 da or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Technobabble in this, actually, and it's all like it. probably fine. I do think it's a little unrealistic that scientists would speak in full sentences about like explaining exactly what they're doing with in any at any given moment rather than using like any slang or I don't know inside references or something but yeah but that's evangelion like, that's evangelion yeah right and um but yeah if, uh, the UE stuff brings me or ray as UE brings me to something i really like about this fanfic which is that I feel like it understands it it doesn't try to put too much into the source material that that isn't there, right? So like there's this idea that unit 1 is to some extent inhabited by the soul of Yui who is its first pilot who died inside of it. And the fact that Ray is kind of a clone of Yui, like Yui's body combining with Yui's soul, suddenly, poof, you have actual Yui. That, like, it that makes, makes total sense, sense. Right? And it's like, it's like something in my mind I would be like, man, I hope that would happen, and then it does. And I'm like, cool. Um, how did you guys react to her as Yui, though? I'm curious. I mean... I, I feel like her personality did not come across strongly. She's, hmm. I mean, it's understandable she kind of comes to and she's crazed and she's frantic and she's like, you know, well, why are you holding me here? Like, why is everyone calling me Ray? You know, where's my son? Someone mentioned, like, Shinji. But you don't get a lot about, I feel like I would have wanted the opportunity to hear kind of Yui's perspective on her work with Gehern and, like, what I... what she hoped would happen, what she was you know, building towards, like, what kind of her, I don't know, something something bigger than her concern with seeing her son 
I mean, you can also do that. But, like, in addition to that, I would have liked more about, like, kind of who Yui was and what her... what she wanted as a person in a broader sense. I hear what you're saying. But at the same time, like, in the amount of text we've gotten to read so far about this, it's basically been construed as, like, Ray getting some sort of mesal contamination from Unit 01. And it makes sense because, you know, Yui's soul was in there. And Yui might even possess her as the real person. Or it might be Ray's, you know, they're unclear about whether it's really Yui or not. But my point being is, like, I I think it is. My point being is, like, she's also kind of mentally not fully there, right? Like, she kind of breaks down a couple times. And of course, like, she's been dead for, like, 11 years, right? And, like, coming back, and her first concern is, of course, her son. But everything is also really confusing. So, like, for me, I'm almost like, if she was really Yui coming back in her full incarnated state, she would have more questions initially about why her son was 14 and not 3. You know, like, someone else has to bring that up for her. So I I feel like it's kind of clear that it's not like a clear mental formation of the character. And also, I understand what you're saying, but there's also Yui flashbacks in that same time period to when she was alive and working with Gehern, and it also doesn't really like it doesn't really go into Yui. Okay, you you know about the flashbacks? Yeah, I hear you. I just think it was more focused on her like current emotional responses and like. Ray is being a part of that interaction. But I hear you, like, I would like to see more of Yui's backstory as well. I just don't know if that was necessarily, like, the time or place for it. It was more about, like, I don't know, this weirdness that happened to Ray, I guess is what they're trying to communicate. More of a body swap story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Because, yeah, it it was confusing, and you're right. And, like, she does get a moment with Shinji, where she thinks Shinji's asleep, and he's not, so he hears everything. She gets to, like, lie down with him and be like, I love you, my son, and all of that, and he's just super overwhelmed. So it it definitely would have been cool to see her as more than just a mother or a creator. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that, though. What I really appreciated about her was more of her how the writer depicted her impact on the other characters. Cause I felt like they were all sort of spot on. Like I, I felt like Shinji being super like weirded out by her presence like that. Like I felt like that writing was strong. Like it, even though it's fairly easy to say that Shinji lies there and feels bad. Like the fact that his, his mother is like his, is there and is someone you kind of think when you're watching the series, oh man, maybe if he just sees his mom, like things will be okay for him. Right. And obviously though, they're not like he's going through a lot of stuff. And then this is like his friend has become apparently his mother. Like that's weird. Like that's, that would be hard for anyone, especially some, someone with like severe PTSD. And then Gento, like, being like nervous about whether or not he should actually speak with Yui. Though later that's kind of like taken back and he kind of becomes. Just shows up. Yeah, yeah he shows up and is cold like uh, before. 
Well, yeah, that was a whole big mess. So this this whole situation with like yeah, Ray Yui taking over Ray's body, I think, as we can probably call it, even though there's some internal debate, it's really difficult because it is like Amano mentioned before. If we just follow the emotional arc of the stories, you know, like beyond anything literal technical happening. There are thematic things happening. There are emotional things happening. And for Shinji, he's overcome so much. But to have the mother he lost return to him in this body of this friend is just, like, super overwhelming. And it turns out he ends up with, like, a super high fever because this affects him somehow, too. But the thing that affects Yui the most is seeing Gendo again. And everyone's, like, cautioning... Like, don't let her see him. Don't let her interact with these emotional elements of her life. And of course, when she does, it has a super bad effect. It's a super bad effect. And then, and then they, the, the author decides, and I don't, I, I don't really understand this thinking, but decides to replicate the initial scene of Shinji getting into an Ava. With Yui, right? It's almost mm-hmm. a oh, yeah, yeah, copy. Yeah. And that's... Like, what are your reactions to that? I'm curious. Because I didn't like it. There were other moments where the author replicated the story elements. I, I feel like it could have been cool, but... Didn't... I don't, I don't know what the... I don't know what the larger point was besides just, like, look at this neat mirroring where, like, Yui doesn't want to get in the Ava, but they're like, if you don't, we'll have to use Shinji, who is who is hurt, and wheel him out. And she's like, fine. Like, I guess it's kind of a... In a way, it's a way for, like, Rei to return the favor. But mm-hmm. she already did in the main yeah, series, you know, no. through her sacrifice, through the sacrifice of Rei, too, which was that actual Rei. Not, not the soul of somebody else inhabiting the body of a different ray. So, like, yeah, it just didn't seem like it really had a thematic point. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. Um, but, I don't know, I think the fact that it involved his mother, and whatever we may consider her, was the point we're supposed to dwell on. I don't think it needed to be a direct mirror. I wasn't sure of the point of that. I wasn't super offended by it. I just wasn't sure of the point. But the fact that his <laughs> mother had returned in this form was something that felt really significant. And if they could take it to a place where it literally meant something, you know, like the soul of his mother is in Unit zero one, right? So if that could mean something, then I was like all for that mattering in some way. Maybe not the mirroring, but the actual act of her getting into Unit 01 for the only reason that could matter, which is Shinji, right? Yeah. It does lead to... Sorry, go on. No, you... I was just going to say, it it does lead to something I really liked as well, which is when she gets into the Ava, she goes and she fights an angel, but it's all like... It's like a... It's like a cutaway, and then she she wins, right? She goes berserk or something. And then she, like, Yui ceases to exist and it's just Rei again. It's like, Yui, 
Rather, because I, I feel like in the fanfic, generally the fight scenes are fairly strong. Like, I feel like I visualize them very well as Evangelion fight scenes. And yeah. they're all depicted. They're all written out. There's there's no, there's very little, like, summarizing or anything like that. And then, but this is just, you hear from down the hall that there's some sort of action going on. And then the angel falls to the ground in a bloody pulp and then yui returns to being ray and i was like huh that's a that's a nice contrast hmm. speaking of combat sequences we haven't talked about like the main action eva plot here which is basically mm. that um more angels start showing up and you know as an eva fan initially you're like no wait that that can't be happening that doesn't make any sense right but they have a good way around that in that they're you learn pretty much, basically, they're, you know, quote, angels, unquote, they're life forms being created by SEAL through this, you know, mega corporation called UN Synapse, which is like a materials supplier for the UN, and therefore, theoretically, for nerves, too, for nerve mm-hmm. also. So, like, you, you kind of get all the things about how they could have these resources, because they're backed by SEAL and, you know, associated in some indirect way. with And... You buy that, like, okay, yeah, you know, Seal has some kind of plans and they're attacking Nerve, and that's fine. Yeah. Makes me think of something like Utana with, like, oh, we fought all of the, fought all of the duelists, and are we just going to fight all the duelists again? And they're like, no, Black Rose duelists. They're right. like duelists, but they're a little different. So right. let's keep going. Yeah, and it, it answers a, a question that a lot of, other literature uh, also answer, such as like Ender's Game, right? Like, what's going to happen when the war's over? Like, with when you have these weapons of mass destruction, or it's not like things are just going to go back to normal. Like, it makes sense for the factions to use these Evangelions, angels, whatever they are, against one another. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like. Doesn't that kind of thing happen in the movies more? I, I haven't caught up on the movies, uh, the, the new movies. Movies are also confusing, I think. Um, but yeah, I think so, yeah. Shinji does get to have that conversation with Asuka where he's like, what do you, what do you want to do when this is all over? And she's like, what do, you, what do you mean all over? And he's like, well, surely we'll have to stop using Ava's. And she's like, no, there'll always be another threat. And he's like, are you going to keep piloting Ava even if they want you to use it in a war or something? And she's like, no, of course I don't want to do that. Which, on the one hand, you know, I I trust her in her, in that moment. But on the other hand, you're like, if anyone's going to keep piloting Ava, it's the one whose identity and sense of self worth is completely caught up in being an Ava pilot, which is Asuka. Like, so you know, one does worry that like she she might continue to pilot Unit Two in war if she was directed to do so, because she would justify to herself. However, yeah. It's a good thing to kind of address at least a little bit. Well, there's a lot of stuff we could keep talking about in the fanfic, but we've hit kind of the major points, I think. And I think it's safe to say we're all interested enough in this fanfic that we want to see where they go with it, right? Yep. So the plan is to read the rest of the fanfic, read both endings, come back and discuss them next time on the podcast. Well, and I know that... Oh, sorry, go on. 
I was going to say before we kind of wrap this up, is there anything else from chapters, what is it, 27 through 44? 34? What did we read through? 44. 44. 44. Yep. Anything else from those chapters specifically that you two want to talk about? Well, there is quite a bit of character work that is done in those chapters, like specifically with the new character, Lin, which we mentioned, he's kind of an analog for Shinji, but a Shinji that kind of sticks up for himself, which allows Shinji to take a more passive role. One specific really strange part that kind of sticks out for me is when they go on a camping trip. Shinji goes on a camping trip with classmates like Toji and Hikari and Asuka, and there's like a weird moment between him and Asuka that I thought was supposed to be like maybe a romantic moment. Mm-hmm. And I was really confused by that because it seems like the author never follows up on that. Yeah, I I expect they will. That that romance has been kind of a slow burn thing in this fanfic. Right. Yeah. I, I did feel, though, that I was surprised they didn't really change Asuka's reaction to Shinji after that or whatever, but I suppose it's somewhat realistic that fairly like quintessential moments in people's lives don't instantly change them. Um, I had... I had a couple, like, generally I thought the characterizations were really great. Um, I felt like Gendo was a little weird for me. Uh, for one thing, I don't really think of Gendo as thinking in verse. Like, I just, I understand that he comes off as sort of a combination of a super logical, officious guy and a super mystical guy. But by the end of the series for me, I just sort of, I think that Gendo is just sort of like the only adult in the room, not in a good way, right? But like, he knows what's up and no one else does. And he's just kind of waiting for his, for his plans to kind of unfold. And I don't, I don't think of him as like a super scientific, logical guy. I don't even think of him as like super spiritual man. He's just, a guy who seems to know more than everyone else. And he's just kind of waiting for everybody else to do what he needs them to do so that he can get whatever he's trying to get. And so he's the way he's depicted in this is that he speaks with Fuyutsuki as if he's like a super rational, like he speaks in clipped, but like, super logical sentences. That's just not that's just not how I see Gendo, right? I just see Gendo as just being an authoritarian and getting whatever he wants. Anyway, that's that's my little rant, I guess. <laughs> that's fair. Um I do think that Gendo plays a less prominent role as that sort of authority figure in this fanfic. But I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing. And I don't think he's portrayed inaccurately. He's just not as prominent, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people aren't. It's just because there's a lot of characters and they, you know, need space to do what they want with the ones they're interested in. And so some characters just sort of, like, hang out. Fudsuki's one of those. It's like, I mean, I guess he mostly just hangs out in the series, too. But... Yeah. I always kind of wished, I liked when he got a scene with Yui where, like, in fact, who he was and what his background was mattered, and he wasn't just, like, 
someone for Gendo to talk to. I I feel like that's been the focus of what we've talked about is like when Ray becomes Yui, that's when the fanfic <laughs> kind of takes a left turn, you know, like everything changes and it becomes really, I guess I would say that for a large part of this fanfic, I wasn't sure where it was going. And then that happened and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> things got crazy during those last couple yeah. of chapters we read. I'm glad that we focused on that for the podcast to some extent, because I, d- I did think that it was, like, I felt like the first four or five chapters were really boring um, that we read. Uh, and then eventually the Ray storyline is just much more interesting to me. Well, speaking of the fanfic taking off and maybe having a sense where it's going, do you have any predictions for the second part of this fanfic? The endings of it? Before we read them and come back and talk about them? Hmm. What's super cool to me is, yeah, like, I I kind of agree on that note of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was boring because I was engaged with what the characters were doing, but I wasn't sure it was going. But with this left turn, with the, you know, the Yui manifesting, what we do have revealed to us is that it wasn't Yui's waveforms from, from Unit 01 that were taking over Ray. It was actually Shinji's. And that's a cool reveal. And I feel like if I had my, like, ideal prediction here, I would say that, like, this author for goes having instrumentality happen, but they're fully aware that that's, you know, Gendo's goal. Right. But they're avoiding it. So if I would say, like, predicting what I would want to have happen, I would say, like, having more of the dead mother personalities overtake the actual pilots and having more of identity merging happening through those interactions would be really interesting. Hmm. I don't know what I want from the fanfic, but I'm expecting in the two endings that instrumentality will happen in one of them and instrumentality will not happen in the other one. Mm-hmm. That's just what I would expect to see from an Ava fanfic like this that has two endings. I feel like I would expect two different people having instrumentality. I don't know. But I, I think... Being at the center of it, you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... I sort of assume that, like, what I want to happen is I want Shinji to just go bad, you know? I want I want Shinji to just be fed up and want everything to be destroyed. I don't know why I want that exactly. I think I just, I, I have a feeling he would make a good antagonist for everybody at this point. Um, but what I more expect is that like everyone will co- like coalesce around him, and then Lin will end up being a a bad guy for a while until he like rehabilitates himself yeah. just in time. There's yeah, it's pretty heavily foreshadowed. He's a plant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things going on, like with Lin, the new pilot. That like there's some implication that. There was a disease that happened in Unit 06. He's the sixth pilot, and he pilots 06. Uh, anyway, it happened. Um, that there was uh, some sort of, like, contagion that affected 06, and it was, like, 
or came from 06 and affected another unit and they had to like cut it out. So I, I kind of felt like he was the source of that in some way that, yeah, like Lynn was a plan. He was the source of that, but he also seems very authentic because he gets to know this other girl named Aoi. How do you say her name? Yeah. She's a classmate. Aoi. Aoi. Yeah. I feel like something may be going on with her. She stalks him via like, you know, aim, Instant messenger, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of instant message chat. But she's a classmate. And they're starting to get almost romantically close at this point. But I feel like she's done a, a bunch of, like, kind of weird things, such as, first of all, stalk him without knowing him. And secondly, when he first meets her, she's, like, kind of dancing on the edge of a rooftop. And he has to remind her, like, to stop or she's going to fall off the rooftop. So I'm sort of like, is she sort of like a Kaoru-type figure? Like... Is she some sort of angel embodiment or, or something weird? Uh, I don't know. It'd be nice to see where all that's going. But I, I would be disappointed if they were both just, like, normal people, you know? And it was just like, eh, it's just a girl, it's just a boy, and they're just weird. Because I don't think that's the tone of Ava. Hmm. I have a feeling that they're both plants. Like, I, I have a feeling that Lynn might have been engineered in some way or modified by Seal. And then Owie is like sort of a way to trigger him or something. Um, yeah. I have no other predictions. Well, we'll see where it goes next time. And I'm not sure how much reading that is because it's kind of hard to tell how long these chapters are before starting them. But hopefully we can all manage it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be next episode, which we're going to call 99.5 in true Ava style. Nice. As for this, it was episode 99 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, chapters 27 through 44 of Evangelion R by, I don't think I've actually mentioned the, the author yet, <laughs> yeah. but their name appears to be, is it Maher, M-A-H-E-R, Al-Samkari? Sure. And also, um, worked on by a bunch of people. Like, there's a, there's a credit list. Not, not the text. The text seems to have just been Maher there. Um, but they've got, like, head proofreader, editor and English consultant, editor and Japanese consultant, additional art, primary artist, music, plot support, you know, CG animation. They, they've got, they've got a bunch of people in the credits here. So a whole team was working on the project in varying ways and to varying degrees. Yeah. It does seem pretty prominent. Um, are we going to do criticism and praise too? or Not this time. Oh. Predictions was in place of that. I see. All right. We can wait for the criticism and praise until we've seen the whole work and kind of, you know, um. maybe know where they're going with some things or how it looks from a wider stance. And you can find that fanfic on the website of the fanfic which is ava-r.com. We'll provide a link there as well on the, on the notes for the episode. The intro song to this podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album, and you can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. The show is sound edited by Dom Davis, who you've probably heard in many other episodes. And you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic.
If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic, or Facebook at RetroFanfic, or Instagram at RetroFanfic, or Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective, or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com, or you could also leave comments or reviews on the podcast service you use, or you could wait until we all merge into a single mind and just can share all communication that way. But with less fan service than the fans deserve, I think. I guess we have to promise more fan service next episode, don't we? I'm on it. You can think of something. I wonder what fan service is for any fans we have. Like, what are they here to listen to? Um, Us? What's the draw? Me. I think you trying to do accents. <laughs> I don't think I've... I don't think I do that very often because I'm terrible at it. No. Maybe twice. Anyway, I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Torin. We're just three children of Lilith trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Take care. Bye.